This world's going nuts. Christians are going into apostasy. And my biggest enemy meets me in the bathroom mirror every morning. Amen. My biggest struggle to live in a consecrated godly life is me. And uh, isn't that something? You can acknowledge that, and uh, and 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 you drop, you quit fighting for a, for a, for a split second, and that flesh will try to get advantage. Amen. And uh, that's why I need this. That's why I need you guys. That's why we need each other. Amen. All right, that's in the message. So uh, Ezra chapter nine tonight. Let's start there. All right, now, people have asked me about that presidential pardon. So uh, let me give you an update. It is, uh, according to the Department of Justice website, it is still pending. According to me, that means it's still depending on God. It hadn't been denied, and and, uh, it hadn't been granted, and it may be someday, it may not be, I don't know. But that's the update. I want you to know your prayers about that. Those that prayed or wrote letters, uh, that's not in vain. All that stuff went to the Department of Justice. That whole uh, uh, pardon application, 30 pages, sworn affidavit, declared that Jesus Christ alone is responsible for changing my life. I did not turn over a new leaf. Amen. So they got a witness there, and uh, so that's, uh, that's a victory. But if we got the pardon, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be good for me. But uh, 31 years as a federal convicted felon, I can finish it like that if that's what the Lord wants. Amen? But I just want to give you an update. People do ask about it, and uh, so, you know, I'll let you know if we get it. Amen. We'll go to the shooting range together, maybe, someday. Maybe someday. I don't know. All right, Ezra chapter 9, look at me in verse 8. And, uh, and it says this. It says, And now for a little space, grace hath been showed from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our, eye, that, that our God may lighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. In that last part there, a little reviving in our bondage. I don't even, can't even remember right now how many messages on revival or revival type messages that I've used this verse to springboard into. Because it's scriptural. Desiring revival, praying for revival, expecting God to send revival is scriptural. David proved that in Psalm 85. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Because there ain't much else to rejoice in these days. I mean, outside of the, the Lord and the book and the family of God and these little kids, I mean, you don't have to go very far either direction to see this world's getting farther from God, not closer. Amen. And then one time I was reading through that verse and I'm thinking, a little grace has been showed, a remnant, a nail in his. And then I got a whole message just out of that verse. And some of you are worried that I'm going to preach it tonight because I probably have here. I don't even remember anymore. But what I want to look at tonight is that phrase. It said to leave us a remnant to escape. Amen. I'm glad that's there. Remnant means 
uh, that which is left after separation, removal, or destruction. And I am happy to report that no matter how bad things got in the history, in, in the human history, uh, how bad things got in regard to God's people going full tilt, tilt apostate, God always had a remnant. A remnant that refused to go with the flow. I'm glad for that. And I'll tell you why. Take your Bible, go to, uh, to uh, Revelation chapter 3. And let me say this, apostasy always led to captivity. Amen. And so when I read the testimony of the Laodicean church, which represents the age that we're in, that precedes the Lord coming back, uh, in verse 15 there in Revelation chapter 3, the Word of God says, I, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That's, that's the age that we live in. I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be guilty of that. Amen. I'm glad that we're not all doomed because of this remnant principle, I'll call it. I'm glad we're not all doomed to this rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing mentality. Longer I'm saved, the more I realize I need him more and more. Me, personally. The more I learn, the more... I, you follow me? I mean, I thought 20 years ago, I thought I'd be much more spiritual by now. I, I mean, you know, I would have thought, you know, I started out rough and I started out late, but I'm going to give it my all, and, and, and I did, and I still do, and uh, I thought I'd... But the longer I'm saved, the more wicked I realize I am, which makes the mercy of God that much more miraculous. And to tell you the truth, I got a feeling that's probably the way it's supposed to work. Amen. But uh, so it says lukewarm, and I may have said this here before, but I'm going to say it again. It said there in uh, verse 16, so then because they aren't lukewarm and neither cold nor hot. Cold, you guys know about cold, right? It gets cold here. Amen. I love coming to upstate New York in July. Oh, yeah. Where I'm from in southern Ohio, which we get winter too, but that's like the tropics compared to up here, I think, you know. Amen. And then, and then I, I love going to Arizona and South Florida too, but like in January because that's too hot. It gets hot. I got guys out in Las Vegas and, and, and churches, churches. Not casinos, okay. I go out there and I preach, and uh, and uh, they're talking about 115 in the summer in Yuma, Arizona. Amen. And I'm I don't go there that time of year. That's too hot. Amen. He says, uh, "I would that thou art cold." Let me read it right. Uh, uh, neither cold nor hot. It says, "So then, because thou art lukewarm, but." Lukewarm has got a temperature too. Lukewarm, uh, it not, it's, not, it's not 32 degrees freezing. It's not 212 boiling. Lukewarm is 98.6. And that's where the church is in the lay of the saying. Lukewarm, that's body temperature, man. That's 100% flesh. I mean, think about it. 
I mean, I get it, man. Lost people don't understand. But to have a church, a church age, recorded as being, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. What a thing. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I don't, I'm glad that we're not doomed to be associated with that. Let me tell you something. Just being a King James, born again, eternally secure, King James Bible believer, which I'm all those things, doesn't mean that you're not capable, that I'm not capable of getting to that position where we think we got a handle on it because let's face it, compared to everybody else, and we need to be reminded we're not going to be compared to anybody else. We've come short of the glory of God. We're going to give an account of ourselves. We're capable of falling into that. Peter warns us about it in 2 Peter 3 and 17. He said, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away of the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. I don't want to fall. Amen. And again, that brings me back to the Maybe the common theme of this message is sure on my heart a lot. This is important. Church is important. Gathering together is important. Because this is what will keep us, well, it will sure enough help keep us from falling. I don't want to fall. Amen. I want you to know this too. In this age, just like in past times with the Old Testament Israel, apostasy still leads to captivity. Amen. So I want to preach tonight on this thought about the remnant, and I'll pray while you're going to Malachi chapter 3. Father, we do come to you once again in the name that is above every name. Thank you for those that are here tonight. I pray that you bless the assembly in Gloversville tonight, as the gospel will surely be preached as uh, Pastor Albert Kowski will be remembered. Bless that family, those four children, that dear saint of God, wife of his, and that little work there, God, a witness and a lighthouse in that area. Please bless them. And Lord God, you are so capable of doing a hundred things, a thousand things at once. We pray that as you meet with them there and make your presence real, that you would do the same here tonight for us. God, I pray. You'd help me say what you'd have said. May it be a blessing to your people. And I'll thank you for that. In Jesus Christ's name, amen and amen. Malachi chapter 3, you got Israel in captivity again. I don't know who came up with it, but somebody said along the way, uh, what you learn from history is that men don't learn from history. <laughs> amen. And, uh, but I'm thankful tonight that even here in this uh, passage, there was a faithful remnant. Verse 16, and I'm going to give you tonight three definitive attributes of the remnant, any remnant, any age. And it worked then and it'll work now. It says in verse 16, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and took a book of remembrance, uh, and, no, I'm sorry, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Now, there's some things in that verse. There's more than I'm going to hit tonight. But the things that jumped off at me, number one, it said fear. It said, they that feared the Lord. Amen. People fear COVID. 
People fear all kinds of things, but they don't fear God. <laughs> Duh! That is a grave error tonight. Amen? It says in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. i tell you, a significant characteristic of any remnant It'll work for us today. It's more important than ever, not less, is that we maintain a healthy fear of the Lord. Amen. You hear the, the, you hear the word phobia more these days than you used to, and you say, well, when? I'll tell you when. Now, phobia means extreme or irrational fear. How many heard of homophobia? Homophobia. You hear that word in the news. What does that mean? If you believe that marriage it should be between one man and one woman, they'll call you homophobic. Call, say you got homophobia. Anybody? I mean, you get the news up here, right? I mean, trust me on this. All right? And uh, so, and I just, I, got, I don't know if there's a vaccine for it, but I'm not taking it either because I got that. I got that. I believe that's what God intended. Amen. Anybody else? I can stay awake now. All right, and then there's something that I never heard of. It's called Islamophobia. Islamophobia. Amen. And if you have a problem with Muslim terrorists murdering Americans, you've got Islamophobia. I'm batting 100 so far. I got that too. Yeah, I should get disability. <laughs> There's something else. There's something else. You hear it? I never heard it. I, it's called Xeno. Xenophobia. Say you're making this up. No, we'll get to that list. But right now, this is true. Xenophobia is a fear of strangers or foreigners. So if you're against open borders, well, then you've got xenophobia. Amen. I'm three for three. Anybody else three for three? All right, now, when I was looking those words up and I knew what they were, I'd heard them, and uh, I want to get them the spelling right, but I found some other phobias. And some of them I never heard of. There's some called ergophobia. Ergophobia. You know what that is? That's fear of work. Fear of work. I heard this, man, before I ever got saved. You know how you starve a lazy man? You hide his food stamps under his work boots. <laughs> but nowadays, I've never seen so many help wanted signs in my entire life. We see them everywhere we go. And uh, we're in Pensacola back in February, and right there at Davis Highway and Interstate 10 is a Coca-Cola bottling plant with a big old sign right in front of it that says, Help Wanted, Inquire Within. And we're coming down and getting on, uh, getting on, the, uh, getting on the freeway and, uh, and sitting right under the sign that says Help Wanted. It's some guy sitting on a backpack with a little cardboard sign begging, panhandling. And I'm like looking at him, and there's, it's, I'm going, what? Are you kidding? And I asked somebody, I says, how can there be so many people not working? How can people do that? 
And somebody said, well, it's because the government sends them checks. So I naturally said, how do I get my address to them? But nobody's told me yet, so I got to keep working. I'm glad I don't have ergophobia. Amen. There's something else. There's something called Toretto. I promise, you can Google this, please, not while I'm preaching. He said, if you're a VIP, you know, unless you're a VIP, turn your phone off. Well, let me just help you with that. In God's eyes, you are a VIP. But he's not going to call you on your cell phone during a church service. Lord willing, he may speak to you. But he doesn't need Verizon or AT&T or any of that. Teratophobia is a fear of giving birth to monsters. That's a real thing. They'd say, Brother Spurgeon, where are you getting it? Have you walked by the nursery lately? I mean, listen, I'm in different churches all over the country, and I hear sounds coming. I'm going, what was that? And that's somebody's sweet little Johnny or Susie, and it sounds ungodly to me. Amen. And I think some ladies that probably, well, I'll move on. There's something else. There's something else. There's something called hamarto. Hamartophobia. You know what that is? Of course not. Hamartophobia is a fear of sin and a fear of sinning. Amen. I am praying for a pandemic of that to break out. Amen. There's something called ecclesiophobia. And that's a fear of coming to church. Amen. I'm with, why isn't anybody working on a vaccine for that? Amen. <laughs> Amen. There's something called Hadiphobia. And that's a fear of going to hell. Now, all them years in the motorcycle gangs, I buried 41 of my own guys. And the last thing I said was, I'll see you in hell, brother. And uh, I was more doctrinally sound when I was lost than many preachers filling pulpits across America today. Because I didn't doubt hell was real. And uh, I didn't want to go to heaven with a bunch of goody-two-shoe Christians. Did we take the offering? I better move on. And, uh, and we're just going to party in hell. And uh, I mean. And uh, one, of the, one of the mantras was, uh, better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. Can, can you believe how good a job the devil's done? Amen. And, uh, and, then I, and then I heard the gospel, and of course he preached right out of Luke 16. And I went, oh, great. After I do the rest of my life in prison, then I'm going to burn forever? Thanks for cheering me up, chaplain. That was such a nice message. First preaching I'd heard in 20 years. But as I went back to my cell and started to consider the fact that if the Bible's true and meatloaf was wrong and ACDC was wrong and all that rock and roll stuff, you know, we're going to party in hell. If the Bible's right and there's wrong, I developed a healthy case of Hadiphobia. But I was cured about that time when I bowed my heart to Jesus Christ and asked him to forgive me. And I, haven't wor I worry about a lot of things. Again, mostly my thinking flesh. But I haven't worried about going to hell since that morning. And I'm no spiritual giant. Don't need to amen that, brother, CJ. Uh, I just got a Bible that says that part's done. Amen. If you're in here today and you're not saved, 
you do well to contract hadephobia, and then we get uh, curia, and there ain't a vaccine necessary for that neither. Now, there's something else. There's something else. There's one more that says it's called euphobia. Euphobia. And you know what that is? That's a fear of hearing good news. I think I've met some people like that. I refer to them like as like Eeyore. Eeyore the donkey. On Winnie the Pooh, how many have seen that? Ratted yourself out, didn't you? I told people I was a bike gang member and I've never seen Winnie the Pooh and I've never watched Winnie the Pooh and everybody, nobody's ever going to accuse me of watching Winnie the Pooh and then one of my little kids, four years old, comes in with this CD, Papa. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm guilty, I watched it. Amen. And, but my favorite character was Eeyore. Eeyore that donkey, you know. Everything was negative, negative. And, uh, oh, I don't know. I can't even imitate them, but I've known some Christians like that. They, I rode 200 mi- no, 102 hours, 125 miles with a, with a preacher boy out of our Bible institute that was like that. Well, Brother Spurgeon, where do your messages come from? I said, uh, the Bible. He goes, well, I wish I'd like to preach someday, but I'll never be able to preach. I mean, after two hours, I was ready to commit suicide. This guy was such a downer. Amen. And some people, man, everything they're saying, what do they do at Philippians 4? Amen. I understand everything's a mess. It says if there be any virtue, every time I get down, I remember I'm not going to hell. And I praise the Lord for that. Amen. And uh, euphobia is a fear of hearing good news. Uh, let's face it, the best news I ever heard was that Jesus Christ went to the cross so that I don't have to go to hell. I'd hate to be in a position where I didn't want to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're talking about, it is kind of fun. I mean, it's Wednesday night. We're talking about a remnant. And uh, number one is that they had uh, the fear of the Lord, it said. Truth be known, people fear all kinds of things. Some people are afraid of snakes. Some people are afraid of spiders. Amen. Some people are afraid of closed places, claustrophobia. Oh, you're going to love an MRI. Amen. People are afraid of heights. Yeah, I jumped out of airplanes. Brother Thomas jumped out of airplanes. And uh, people would say, I could never do that. I'm afraid of heights. I said, at 2,000 feet, everybody's afraid of heights. You don't do it because you're not afraid. You do it for, I don't, why did we do it? I got, we'll talk later. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And, uh, and let me tell you something. Guys or girls, either one. If you're afraid of fi- spiders, if you're afraid of snakes, don't tell anyone, because that's exactly what they'll tease you with. Amen. There have been some things I've been uncomfortable around, but I sure ain't letting anybody know. Amen. I'm going to leave it at that and move on. Now, listen, some of those fears kind of come natural, you know, like stepping out of an aircraft in flight, and some of them, you know, kind of strange. But here's one that's neither, not natural. You got to learn it. Psalm 34 and verse 11 says this. Come ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now you want to sum that up in a nutshell. The fear of the Lord is remembering who he is and remembering who you are. And about the time you start thinking you're a big shot, 
You need to look up. You didn't create nothing. Amen. And uh, I'll tell you what, that'll help me. I'll tell you what's wrong with a lot of folks these days is that uh, they think they're the center of the universe. You know, I know some Christian, Christian brothers, and they'll argue over heliocentricity and, 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 and what's the other one? Geo, thank you. See, duh, I don't geocentricity, and that had to do with this, what's the center of the soul. And I've heard arguments on both sides, and and uh, finally, I said, I said the problem isn't isn't uh, the sun being the center of the solar system or the earth. The problem is meocentricity. We're 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 full of people that think they're the center of the universe. My wife saw a Time magazine. Uh, the covers are a riot sometimes, and there's a teenager. I'm not picking on teenagers. Okay, I am. And, uh, and laying, camps next week, laying on the floor, you know, uh, with a phone, with a phone up, looking up at it, and taking a picture of herself. And it was a girl, calm down. And it said, the caption on the Time magazine was this, the me, me, me generation. And boy, I tell you what, it sums it up pretty good right there. And let me be the one to break it to you if you're under any misconception. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's about him. And it always was, and it always will be. It's all about him. Amen. I tell you, somebody said it like this, apostasy is an unbelief. That's atheism. Apostasy is the fear of the Lord diminishing in your life. If you're saved here tonight, the Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, you can get to the place where you don't give that much thought anymore, and he decreases and you increase, and next thing you know, well, you're, on the, you're headed toward that, uh, well, I got, I got this. Amen. That's what they, they're saying to the Lord in Revelation 3. Need of nothing. I got this. We're good. We're good. That's a dangerous place for a child of God to be. How are you ever going to have? Yes, we live in a society where people think like that. How are we going to have any effect on them if we think like that? So this might help you. It says this in Deuteronomy 6 in verse 2. And, uh, and the author wrote there, Moses wrote that, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. The fear of the Lord is directly connected with keeping his statutes and his commandments. In fact, Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding. Have all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. So we're talking about you want to finish, you don't want to get caught up in that Laodicean thing, that apostate, uh, uh, how seriously you take the word of God. It just might be a good indicator uh, of how much you fear the Lord. And you can wave that King James Bible all day long. And if you don't move that thing over in your heart, 
you will sin against God. You will think more highly of yourself than you should. You will take him for granted. And you're in for a rude awakening. And God's got a way to level all that playing field. If Noah, if not before your last breath, at the judgment seat of Christ. But beloved, I'm telling you tonight, we were left here with a reason. We were left here to reach a lost and dying world. This isn't a game. We need to get our priorities right so that we can be a vessel meet for the master's use. Amen. All right, so number one was fear. And uh, right out of the verse there in uh, Malachi 3, and then it said, uh, let me see, they the fear of the Lord spake often one to another. Often one. You know, another attribute of the uh, remnant is, was, and is, is still, it's fellowship. Fellowship is important. They spake often one to another. The Bible says in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Amen. They, uh, uh, those early disciples, those early Christians, that remnant had to be a tight-knit group because they didn't fit in anymore. They were residents of Antioch. They weren't, they weren't uh, uh, strangers, foreigners, immigrants. They were inhabitants, but they were different in that something changed. And what changed? The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. And now they became a small group, and they were ridiculed. The word Christian in the context wasn't a compliment. Amen. It's a compliment to me. It's the best thing you ever call me. But it wasn't a, it wasn't a compliment to them. They had, Jesus Christ had been crucified not too long before this, and they associated with him. He wasn't the most popular guy in town, except for with a small group. Amen. All right, so any opportunity for these disciples that were called Christians first in Antioch, any opportunity for them to meet, to get together, it wasn't an obligatory assembling. All right, you know, I'm belong to this church. I've got to be there on Sunday and Wednesday. It wasn't like that at all. They wanted to be there. They wanted together. It was a chance to gather with like-minded people. You know, I'm thinking about this. Now, I've been on the road preaching meetings like this. Uh, for 25 years now. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I'm no spiritual giant. I come in, try to deliver the message. And I was thinking about this earlier today, the real importance of doing this and what we do. It has so much to do with us getting our priorities lined back up in that, because we're all busy, I get it. Some of you come in from work. Some of you come in... Uh, uh, in your work clothes, you come in tired, but you just make up, and you're welcome to do that, and you, you just say, okay, my busy life is this, I'm going to make this week an exception. Not fitting it in when it's convenient or doesn't conflict. That's how the world does things. And your priorities are such that the church is having a revival meeting and you're going to arrange your schedule so that the best you can, you can be there because you want to be there. Amen. And you get to sing those old songs of Zion. There's more sound doctrine in that hymnal 
that's coming across the pulpit at a lot of, a lot of churches in America today. I'm serious. Amen. And those things will stir your heart if there's something in there to stir. Uh, a song leader often say, that was good singing. And I'm thinking, that was a good subject to sing about. Especially that last one about the Lord coming back. Amen. And, uh, and, uh, and yes, of course, we gather, we, we, we arrange our life so we can come to church and, and we sing those songs. And, and yes, to hear preaching, and I'm a preacher, I get it. Preaching's the power of God and the salvation. I get all that. But, uh, you know, you realize in this day and age, I hear people tell me all the time, they listen to preaching all the time. They're listening to sermon audio. They've got it on their phone. They're driving. They're hearing preaching message after message, final fight. She goes and uh, goes to the back to talk on the phone in the motorhome, and I click a couple of buttons in now I got final fight going on and I'm listening and praise the Lord for that but you can hear preaching eight hours a day on the internet if you want it doesn't take the place of this there's something about gathering together there's something about speaking Often one to another. Well, I come to church Sunday and I come to work. Praise the Lord. This is a healthy church. You know, I can tell because unless you have to, a lot of people are in no hurry to leave. Amen. I'll be in a church. I'll be standing around milling around talking to people. I mean, where do I got to go? You know, and uh, I live in the parking lot. And uh, and, uh, and people say, goodbye, Roseburg. We'll see you tomorrow. I say, okay. And then I will still we'll be talking for half an hour. And we go out in the foyer, and they're all, that's as far as they got. And they're talking. And we'll talk out there with people, and they'll say, well, we'll see you tomorrow. And then they're in the park, and my wife's walking the dog, and all their kids are around there with my dog licking them. And that's a good sign. That's a healthy sign. You're here because you want to be. So this kind of thing, this meeting thing, especially um, six plus seven, one makes seven, you know, little exception. Uh, this is a good, healthy thing. I mean, I think preaching, you know, is important. But I thought there's more to this thing than just this is important. That book says, iron sharpeneth iron. And so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And I realized that really the, the thing about these revival meetings has a lot to do with us just coming, getting together. Strengthening, encouraging, sharpening one another. Amen? There's, I was out in uh, Colorado, and I'm in this uh, leather shop. We stop in every year, and they, you know, I, they're Christians that run it, and uh, they got, you know, literature laying around and Christian music playing. And, and I take the opportunity. I leave track for them, and I, we go out there every year or two, and, and uh, I'll leave tracks on the counter from people get them. And finally, there, there were some people standing there, and I wanted to, you know, make a point. So I said, oh, you know, oh, yeah, it's good to be saved. Lord's been good. How you been? Oh, it's been good. God's been good. Um, where do you go to church? I wanted them to say so that other people. And you know what? This woman, I couldn't believe it. She said, oh, I, she is from Tennessee. Oh, I don't go to church. But it's all right. God knows my heart. What does that even mean? I don't even get that. 
My Bible says the heart is, 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 is deceitful above all things and deathfully wicked. Let me tell you something. It's not all right to skip church. It's not all right with God. When it says in Hebrews chapter 10, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, uh, but uh, exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Empty seat doesn't exhort anybody. It discourages. You ever looked that word forsake up? You're so glad Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, I got. I looked that word forsake up. And you know, it means what you think it means. It means quit. It means, you know, not be active, whatever. You know, one of the definitions for the word forsake is desert. I'm a veteran. And when I was in the military, desertion in a time of war was an executionable offense. And I don't want to have anything in my testimony that anybody could possibly equate with something like that. Now that's how I look at things. God's pretty serious about that thing. It's not all right with God to say, well, we're having revival this week. I think I'll go Monday and maybe Thursday. And people do it all the time. I'm trying to encourage that. You get some of you, many of you have been here for three days. I'm trying to encourage them. Amen? 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 Amen. All right. Take your Bible. Go to Acts chapter 4. Let me show you something. We're talking about number two is fellowship. We need the fellowship. For Baptists, you think fellowship is sitting around over a plate of food. Amen. I'm not against that. Of course, my wife kind of, well, we won't go there, but this is fellowship. Singing together, talking together, listening to one another's prayer requests. This is all part of it, man. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, here we go. Got the early church, it says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were, what? Assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Three things. You got prayer. You got uh, uh, participation. You got the word of God. It says they are filled with the Holy Ghost. And then it gives you the evidence of the filling of the Holy Ghost. There's some confusion about that. I've been around some people that thought being filled with the Holy Ghost would cause you to babble in unknown but the, the Bible says that the evidence of filling of the Holy Ghost is speaking the word of God with boldness. That's what it is. Verse, 20, verse 32, it says, The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. They took care of each other. That's what a local church does. People take care of each other. That's scriptural. We, we tried to imitate that in the motorcycle gang. We tried to imitate a brotherhood, that a, 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 a counterfeit of Satan that, that Jesus Christ originated for his own people. And then it says in verse 33, And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace 
was upon them all. Why? Because they prayed together and they assembled together and they spake the word of God with boldness and they, they were of one heart and they had unity and they took care of each other. And, and it said great, the benefit to them was great grace was upon them all. Remember, these people lived under Roman rule and persecution. Don't you think they needed all the grace they could get? In this nearly godless world that we live in, don't you and I need all the grace we can get? Let me say it again. Forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is not all right. An important characteristic of any remnant was they spake often one to another. Follow me? All right, last of all. Now, our verse said, uh, let me see, and then Malachi 3, it said, Then they feared the Lord, spake off in one another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it in a book of remembrance. And uh, before them that feared the Lord, and at the end of the verse, it said, And they that thought on his name. Number one is fear. Number two is fellowship. Number three is focus. Focus. It said they thought upon his name. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing it into captivity, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's where the battlefield is, my friend. That's where the war is waging. That's why so many devices, so many battery-operated high-definition, that's why everybody's got earbuds in their ears and they're walking around and they're driving around looking in their lap. I ride motorcycles. It's always been dangerous. It's even more dangerous with cell phones now. Amen? You people that ride, be more careful than ever. You people that drive, Quit looking at your stinking phone. Oh, but we live in New York. And, yeah, I watch people in New York, just like everybody else. They're sneaking it in there when they can. All there is open. Okay, no, we'll move on. We'll move on. The verses in 2 Corinthians 10 have to do with the mind. Deeds originate in the mind. Sometimes we get a thought, a seed's planted, and it cooks for a while. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes an idea goes, and, buddy, we just take off, run with it. But whichever the case, everything starts right there in your head. You know what that means? This is really profound. You might want to write this down. Beloved, you need to think about what you think about. Now, listen, man, we're all subject to all this input. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't learn to nip that thing in the bud and to get your mind back on something that's right, it's scary where the mind can go just that fast. And input from this world, the media, and, and I'm not talking about just the news. I'm talking about the movies and the, all the stuff on the Internet. That stuff ain't healthy. Amen. It'll cause you to lose your focus. Like I said it before, I've gone to places where people were more hung up on something they read on the Internet. I know people that could tell me all about all kinds of kooky things, but they never told me about leading anybody to Christ or a good solid witness. 
they ever had. says in Isaiah 26 and verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Now the remnant. We're talking about the remnant. Whether under captivity or, or persecution, they knew their survival depended on staying focused on the Lord. And I'm here to tell you tonight that your spiritual survival uh, depends on exactly the same we need to stay focused on the Lord. And we've got more influences jockeying for our attention than ever. All of us do. Amen. So, a significant characteristic number three of any remnant, they thought upon his name. And if you don't want to be counted in the apostasy of Revelation 3, and just because you're saved and believe the Bible and then internally secure, doesn't mean you won't get to a point you follow me? Well, you're not acknowledging him in all your ways anymore. You don't need him to dress. You've got some experience. You've got some notches on your belt. You've got some verses memorized. You've done some things for the Lord. you preach some messages. And you need him more than ever, not less. All right, so I'll read our text again. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, and they thought on his name. Three things from verse 16. Fear the Lord, fellowship together, and focus on the Lord. They work then, they'll work now. Amen? Amen. All right, now let me just give you one more thing from verse 17. And uh, you know what it is? It says it's family. Family. Fear, focus. Fear, fellowship, focus, family. I know you're proud of me, right? Look at verse 17. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them, as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Could I just tell you, it doesn't get any better than being his. <laughs> I'm telling you. Amen? I'm glad I'm part of God's family. Now, my wife came from a big family, family of nine. She's number seven. She is number seven. And uh, so, you know, I've heard some stories about her older brothers in the early years and picking on and stuff like that. And, uh, and I didn't, I was 45 when I married her, but she's telling me, you know, we're getting to know each other. And I said, they did that. They treated you. Like, we drive up there right now. I'll beat them up for you right now. She goes, no, no. <laughs> Amen. But here's what I, you know. And some of you are from a big family, and here's what you know. You know, sisters and brothers fuss and fight and argue, right? It's not a setup. You can say yes. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of natural. But what I learned from her, I knew it to be true, I guess, in my spirit. But I learned it from her. Even though they might argue and fuss, they never, ever, ever let anyone else up in the little town on Lake Erie where she grew up, they never let anybody else talk bad about a brother or a sister. They were family. They had issues. They had problems. They had disagreements. They took care of them in-house. In the old days, we called that doing your own laundry in the club. Amen. 
and we're the family of God, and we fuss and disagree, and that's part of it. But we need to learn to hand to, to take care of our issues in-house and not be talking bad about another Christian to a lost person, seriously. And in this day and age of social media, Christians get bent on something. I've seen it. I'm not on there, but I've seen people send me screenshots, I'm out of my element already, of posts, right? Am I doing okay? And uh, I'm thinking, they put that on the Internet when they've got dozens of lost people. And when this world sees us respond and react to everything the same way they do, what in the world would they be remotely interested in our Savior for? Beloved, let me say it again. It doesn't get any better than being part of God's family. But let's remember, we're not cookie cutters. We're individuals. God did that for a reason. He's got it figured out. That's how he gets the glory. When a bunch of people like us, as different as we are, and you're thinking, I'm different in this church. I'm coast to coast. Everybody out there is not normal like us. God's got this thing figured out where he gets glory from it. But we need to take care of our business in-house. Families stick together. Right? All right, let's stand. Simple message, you know, I mean, uh, it's, not getting, uh, it's not getting more spiritual out there. It's getting darker, darker, darker spiritually every day. And, uh, you know, well, even well-meaning Christians are, are, you know, going off the deep end going liberal in more more instances than I could have ever imagined. And uh, I'm just not, I can't do it. I can't go with the flow. And I'm glad I don't have to. I'm glad that I've got a Bible that tells me that we can just hold fast and stand fast. And it, amen. So just a couple things, nothing you didn't know already, but, you know, a couple attributes of the remnant and... Uh, I'm not saying that so you be proud of yourself. We need to maintain a healthy fear of God. That's remembering who he is and who we are. We're to be servants of the Most High God. Some people, they're willing to serve God as long as it's in an advisory capacity. God doesn't need our help. God doesn't need our advice. But he does need willing vessels, meat for the master's use. And this thing about fellowship, they speak often, we need to, Stay in contact with each other. Devil can get, I've seen him do it over and over. Say people love God, don't doubt it. They get, if he can separate you, he's got you. He's got you. And uh, like I said, one night preaching. I haven't agreed with everything I've ever heard, but I had enough sound preaching that when I didn't agree with something, instead of going that way mad, I came this way. And I'm not saying something magical happens up here, but I've learned to commit things to God. And I've learned that God will answer prayers if you'll be serious about it. Amen. But when it gets to be all about you, you're on dangerous ground. Amen. And we need to focus on the Lord. We talk about the Lord can come back any time. That's something that seems like that ought to be more important to us than when it happens to come up in a hymn. Because we make our plans. I'm guilty too. 
We make our plans, and uh, does God have permission to interrupt your plans? I preached one church, and there was a young man, a young lady sitting in the front row, and they were sweet on each other, and I knew them. I knew their family. I watched them grow up. And I was preaching on the rapture, and I said, wouldn't it be great if the Lord would come back right now? And, you know, they looked at each other. It was a very nervous look. And I thought, wow, I thought they were more. And I found out later they were going to be married in two weeks. You know, and then I'm thinking, well, here's the thing. He's waited this long. Can't he wait two more weeks? And you know what? I understand it. What I don't understand is people that have been saved 10, 15 years, and if the trumpet blew, we preach about the Lord and come back any time, they're, they're not as happy about that as some of us are. Let me tell you something. God does not need your permission to interrupt your plans, and it doesn't have to be a trumpet. It'd be good to stay focused on the Lord. If we would, maybe we could uh, take something with us when we go. Have some fruit. Last point I made was family. I'm glad I'm in the family of God. Let me add something. Are you? If you're in here tonight and you're not saved, well, I'm not trying to be ugly. You're not part of the family, but you can be. And you can be the same way you get your sins forgiven. The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Just admit you're a sinner. You know it. God knows it. Bible says, believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Amen. You believe that? Got anything better? There isn't anything better. Get honest with God. Get honest with yourself. And, and I'm not a salesman, and I'm not trying to talk anybody into anything. If you got a question about any of that, let one of us, let somebody, let somebody open a Bible and answer your question from the Bible. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. And you'll never regret it. But it's your call. We'll sure enough give you an opportunity. What page you got, brother? 869. Now the altar's open. And uh, if the Lord spoke to your heart about any of that, you know, let's do business with God. And, uh, and if you're in there and you know somebody in there that's not saved, you need to be praying for them. And, uh, you know, if you got everything way it should be with the Lord, then let's sing. Let's give glory to God by way of this singing this hymn with our whole heart. Thank God for His goodness and grace. And remember, there's a family 150 miles from here and a church that covets your prayers. Go ahead.